The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy National Championship Monday in college football. Hope you're all doing well on this sunny, beautiful afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. We have... So much content to go over today. We probably won't hit it all today, and that's okay. That's what the entire week is for. But we're going to try and talk about quite a few things today because there's just so much to talk about. There's Auburn basketball. There's Auburn football. There's college football with the national championship game tonight. So we have a lot to go over today. Carter, how was your weekend, man? It was good, man. It was good. We had uh, after the game, it went well, obviously. it's. I think we did the math. It's like the fourth after the game that I've got to do after a win there you go that's <laughs> not is... great not great numbers there sir <laughs> no it's not at all uh it's so so there was a little bit of that uh, a win that was not expected by a lot us included they played well they played well and we're gonna get into that a lot of guys played well um by the way uh Jack and I are all aboard Kansas State basketball this year. Oh gosh, here we go. They hey, they're actually looking they're, pretty good. They're they, looking pretty they solid. They look like the best team in the air, the second best team in the in the yeah. Big Twelve. Yeah, they looked pretty good <laughs> over the weekend. Well, we're gonna get into Auburn basketball here in just a few minutes. We'll talk about college basketball as a whole later on in the show. Uh, we'll talk Auburn football as it was another big weekend for Hugh Freeze and company. They are doing some work right now. We'll talk about that as well. Also later on in hour two, we'll preview the national championship game. It's tonight, TCU and Georgia. And if you're looking for the radio broadcast, you're in luck. We're going to have it right here on ESPN 106.7. Obviously, our show's from 2 to 4, then the drive from 4 to 6, and the national championship game will come on ESPN 106.7 right at 6 o'clock as soon as the drive guys go off the air. So we're excited to be able to bring that as well. Are you shocked? This is random, a little bit off topic, but are you shocked that Auburn went up one spot in the this week? I saw that. The win, obviously the win against Arkansas helped, no doubt, but the loss against Georgia, I thought... I thought that was they were going to hammer Auburn for that. Maybe they just kind of called it equal. Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah, they did. They went I up to 21. That, like Duke is just not that good this year. They dropped eight spots mm-hmm. this past week. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I don't know. Basketball is so interesting. I don't know if you saw, like, there were some crazy games. Oh, yeah. College basketball this weekend was phenomenal. That's all I did on Saturday was watch college basketball. And so uh, it was fantastic. Again, we're going to get into that and Auburn and everything else. Again, we'll talk to, uh, we'll talk about the national championship game. Little guest update today. No Joey Blackwell. Uh, he has some Alabama uh, media to attend to today. So we will pick back up with him next week talking about some big news from Alabama. Alabama basketball who looked pretty good over the weekend they look like there are two teams head and shoulders above everybody in the SEC and it's Alabama and Tennessee Tennessee when's the last time we've seen 
an SEC team go on the road and not only beat a team by 40, but double them up and score. Yeah. I mean, I know it's South Carolina, and they're not good. They're really bad, but but it's still an SEC basketball team. Yeah. And to beat them 85-42 is insane, terrifying. Absolutely. So, again, no Joey Blackwell today. We will talk to him next week about all the things going on uh, with Alabama basketball and some Alabama football news as well. But we will talk to our good friend Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network in hour number two. We'll get his thoughts on, on Auburn basketball, Auburn football, and all of the Auburn gymnastics that started over the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So some news here from the last week or so that's mm-hmm. pertinent to to the last week or week or so. Adam Schefter just tweeted out Damar Hamlin has been discharged from the hospital. Really? How about that? Holy smokes. Well, he I know he has been with his family. He was tweeting during the game yesterday, uh, during the Buffalo Bills game, but discharged from the hospital, that is an absolute miracle. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 shows right there, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, prayer works and miracles can happen that's uh, I mean that's unbelievable that wow that is great news on a Monday that Damar Hamlin has been released from the hospital so good for him hopefully he can go home and start trying to recover and speaking of that did you see what happened to start the Buffalo Bills game yesterday I did not I did not I was not uh, tuned in at the start of that so one. of course this was the first game that the Buffalo Bills had played since Damar Hamlin's injury they started the game they were playing they were playing yesterday afternoon uh, they did not win the coin toss, but they did receive the opening kickoff. Mm-hmm. They ran it back for a touchdown. I love that. That's how they opened the game. Awesome. They ran it back for a touchdown on a, a, a kickoff return. So that was really, really cool. Buffalo was going nuts. They were in Buffalo. It was it was a really, really cool scene. They were playing the Patriots uh, in a game where New England needed to win to get into the postseason, and Buffalo secured the number one seed number two maybe seed I believe I can't remember which one but yeah that's how they started the game is they they took the opening kickoff to the house for a touchdown I want to say they might be the two seed. I think they're the two the Bengals are three and then which is means the the that oh that game, makes the Chiefs the number one yes seed. that that game that got di- discontinued mm-hmm allowed the Chiefs to to yeah. sneak up and take that one seat. And the results went the way that it needed to yesterday to where the Bengals didn't get screwed over in a coin flip. If you haven't read into that, that was insane how that almost came down to home field advantage being in a coin toss. That didn't happen. Everything ended up being okay. It was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster, man. I realized that we have we've have not covered something that we need to cover. Okay. Where are you at mentally? How are you? Oh gosh, I don't. I don't want to talk about it, man. I don't want to talk oh, about it. Boy. It's a good thing that I'm not a big betting man because I thought the Packers were going to win outright. I had every ounce of confidence that they were going to win this game last night. Oh well, it was a win, and you're in for the Packers, yeah. and it was nothing. By the, the time Lions. the game, by, by the time yeah, the game game. By the time the game rolled around, everything had happened to where the Lions had nothing to play for except to keep Green Bay out of the playoffs. They go to Lambeau Field, Sunday night football, last game of the season, and they freaking win. Are by you the way, kidding I'm, me? I'm rooting against the Seahawks forever for keeping the Lions out of the postseason this year. I don't. The care. Lions in the postseason would have been so much fun. Yeah, but they don't need that confidence. It's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I feel terrible. The Packers lose to the Lions twenty to sixteen. You're telling me that Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and and this offense. I know it's not great. They put up sixteen points against the Lions, man. Did you see his fourth quarter passing stats? Yeah, it wasn't good. Two for six, twelve yards, and an interception. The, inter- the interception was so bad too. I know what he, he was did, trying he to did do. Get, like he did take a shot on that play, and he just he lobbed it down there like he likes to do and he just didn't see the back safety come over and just 
Davis is right there, just hopped right in front of it. So Packers are out of the playoffs. Now the speculation about Aaron Rodgers is circling around like crazy. It looked like Aaron Rodgers' last game in a Packers uniform. The way that he seemed to take it in with Randall Cobb, it looked like the final game for both of them. And They walked off together, they had their arms over each other's shoulders. Uh, I don't know if you saw... Jamison Williams mm-hmm. asked Aaron Rodgers for his jersey, and he said, I got to hang on to this one. Yeah. Which. Yeah. And then Jamison Williams, like, seemed to get upset. He's like, but you told me, like, it sounded like he's like, but you told me you were going to get me one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's so, I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know how I feel and what my thoughts are on that just yet. I've got to think about it a little bit with Aaron Rodgers because, is I just there don't a know. Part of you that's worried that you're about to go into like a dark ages of Green Bay Packer fo- football. Yes, because the Packers have had legendary quarterbacks for like 30 years, and now I have a big fear that it's about to be a 20 year lull where they just don't have anybody. So, look, we've been very spoiled as Packers fans. Yes, we only have yeah. one Super Bowl in my lifetime, but you're like the you're like the Steelers with coaches. Yeah. The Steelers have had, what, like four coaches ever or something? Yeah, pretty much. That's how it like feels. five? That's how it feels, man. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. That that was depressing to watch last night, and I don't have an opinion on Rodgers yet because I don't know what he's going to do, and I haven't thought enough about it to make a prediction. So, there's just so much going on in the world of sports right now. But, hey, phone lines are open today. Anything on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. We want to hear all show long your predictions for the national championship game tonight. Who wins and why? What's your score prediction for the game tonight? TCU and Georgia. Dogs favored by 13, 13 and a half, somewhere in there. It's kind of where it's bouncing around. So your thoughts and predictions on who wins tonight, Georgia and TCU. Reminder, we will have that live ESPN radio broadcast right here on ESPN 106.7 starting at 6 o'clock as soon as the drive guys go off the air. So be sure you stay tuned for that. Your thoughts on Auburn Bass basketball's win against Arkansas on Saturday. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Auburn football in the transfer portal. They're killing it again. Anything on your mind? We'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. And just straight up recruiting. A couple guys that we thought Auburn had signed, but they had not announced. I thought one of them was supposed to announce like February 1st. Right. He jumped on board uh, this weekend as well. That's okay with me. But again, any of your thoughts on anything going on, we'd love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. We always love your participation. 334-321-1390. And Carter, we'll start with basketball, and we'll leave question of the day for a little bit later. It kind of goes in with the national championship game tonight. I want to make sure we have plenty of time yeah. to talk Auburn basketball. Who gets a big win, man? A big win at home against Arkansas on Saturday. They extend their home winning streak to 27 right there's now 27 games in a row third longest active streak in the country i believe yep. behind kentucky and gonzaga yeah 27 Which, in a row gonzaga, at home gonzaga i mean they don't play anybody at home well when you play high school kids <laughs> well you don't have to worry about they it. almost got to play kentucky at home i remember cal yeah. made a big stink about mm-hmm. it and they had to go play at like yeah. the spokane like convention center speaking of cal have you seen where his name has started popping up Oh, I oh I know. Yeah, Texas. Isn't that crazy? 
I mean, isn't I've, that crazy? I've, I've heard some rumors about numbers that are mm-hmm. stupid. You know who I think should go to Texas? Nate Oates. Absolutely. 100%. No doubt. If I'm Texas, I'm an idiot if I overpay for Cal, who's done less than less yep. with more. 100%. He's Jimbo Fisher of of college basketball. And meanwhile, you've got Nate Oates, who two of the last three years, I mean, he what, he went to the tournament. It, this is going to be his third straight tournament team. Mm-hmm. Maybe fourth straight. I don't know. But two years ago, they were awesome. This year, they look awesome. they look like either the first or second best SEC team. I don't know why. I don't know why you would pick Cal right now over Nate Oates. I wouldn't, legitimately. And I'm not saying that Nate Oates should go to Texas because obviously we cover Auburn, like to see Auburn do well. I think that's a great hire for Texas. I think Nate, Nate Oates, Oates is a great hire by anybody. Nate Oates would win a national championship at Texas. He he could. He, he Will not at Alabama. No. He could at Texas. Yeah, I think he that's will. the way to put it. Yeah, that's the way to put it. He will not win one at Alabama. He can win one at Texas with the money, the recruits, the every the facilities, everything you ever could want. It's the same way with football. Like, if you get the right coach, Texas is going to be really, really good. And Nate Oates is a really good coach. The fact that he has to beg fans to come to the games, he has to beg to get money and upgrades, and then it just got pushed back a couple of months ago because they wanted to do other things like – Nate Oates is not going to be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for too much longer, and he shouldn't be because he is too good of a coach to be stuck in Tuscaloosa. He should go for Texas, and Texas should go for him. I'm not sure how much he loves being in Tuscaloosa. Does anybody? Let's just be honest. Does anybody? I don't think so. But, no, I think Texas should go after Nate Oates instead of Coach Cal, no doubt about it. But going on Auburn, they get a huge win over Arkansas on Saturday, 72-59. to Carter, Auburn led the entire way. They never trailed in this basketball game. 72-59, yeah. it started with an and one three with Wendell Green, and the Tigers never looked back. There were zero ties uh, after the first 14 seconds. Auburn led for 39 minutes and 46 seconds, which I don't remember the last time that Auburn's led for like that long against a good team. Um, it was impressive. It really was. I, I made this statement Saturday. Uh, and I continue to stand by. I think this is the best game in Wendell Green's career at Auburn. I think when you take into to perspective, last year every team that Auburn played, their focus was on Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And those guys made life so much easier for a guy like Wendell Green because you could do that pick-and-roll lob game to Walker Kessler. Mm-hmm. Or if you got in a jam, you knew late in a shot clock – you could get the ball to Jabari Smith and let him bail you out because he can rise up over anybody in the country and get a good shot off. This year, the safety net's gone, and we've seen Wendell Green struggle mightily. Coming into this game, he was playing his worst ball in an Auburn uniform, and then he steps up in this game. It's efficient, 5 of 8 from the field, 2 for 4 from 3, got to the line 9 times, that was something we, we talked about after yep. Wednesday's game was if you're going to shoot the ball a lot, and especially if you're going to be inefficient, you better get to the free throw line because that, that's the, the one thing that, you, that these two guards can do, the other one being Katie Johnson. We will talk about him because I still have thoughts. Mm. Um, but it, five assists, three turnovers, I mean, that's going to happen, but it's, but it's a positive assist to turnover ratio uh, and – I think it's the best game he he played in an Auburn Auburn jersey. 
I'm with you. I mean, he played 29 minutes, and like you said, 5 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, had 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. Here's the big one. He had only 3 turnovers, which 3 is not good. I would rather my point guard not have 3, but he's had more than that in the past. And he oh, had yeah. 5 he, assists. He's had games of 5 or 6. Mm-hmm. And he had 5 assists to make up for it. That's almost a 2 to 1 ratio, which is what I say is perfect for a point guard. It's 2 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. If you can have that, you're in good business. You know what's even better to me? 3 steals. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't a total detriment on defense yep. because he had been destroyed at Georgia. And he stepped up and he wasn't he 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 wasn't an anchor defensively. Like he played good defense. He got big steals and and that's what he has to do. And you know what I think helped that? Was Auburn playing 85% zone. They don't play zone defense and they did against Arkansas because that's what works against well, this Arkansas team. Because as as bad of a three-point shooting team as Auburn is, Arkansas is worse. <laughs> somehow yes. drastically worse. Yes, and, and Auburn you know knew many, that. They had so many wide-open three-point looks and bricked them off. Yeah. Like, like, they didn't look close to going in a lot of yeah. them. Arkansas had every chance to get into this game, even win this game. They just couldn't shoot. And I think Auburn, Auburn did a great job knowing that and playing a great zone defense. I want to make a prediction here. Okay. This Arkansas team is a tournament team. Yes. I'm not sure Nick Smith comes back. That is a gut feeling. There was a line Tom Hart said in the middle of the game where he said, Nick Smith, he's away from the team right now. As he's a in client, California. As a client of Clutch Sports, he's out in California because they wanted to oversee his rehab. And then, and then he said, let's see when or if yeah. we see Nick Smith again in an Arkansas uniform. I don't think they get him back, and I don't think this Arkansas team without him is – I think they're a tournament team. I don't think they're that good, though. I'm with you. I, I think you could see how good Nick Smith is on this team, and you could see what this team is without him. And, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good prediction. If the guy is out in California rehabbing, what's going to make him fly back to Fayetteville, Arkansas to play for a month he's, or two? He's already a top four pick right yeah, now. Like, I'm with you. I, that, I'm with I, you. I don't think we see – I just don't think we see him in an, in an Arkansas jersey again this year. And you know what? Before we get to break, it, it sucks because Arkansas had some of the most talent coming into this year, and you want to see and that. two like, key injuries are going to keep them from being yep. – a potential Final Four national championship caliber team. Legitimately. It, it's, it's sad to see. Let's get to a break. We'll come back, talk more Auburn basketball. Your thoughts on Auburn's win over Arkansas on Saturday. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on the Monday edition of On the Line. Talking Auburn basketball as they get a much, much needed, desperately needed win against Arkansas on Saturday. On Friday, we talked about this, and I said I didn't want to put it on a must win, but it was pretty close for this Auburn team. Oh, oh! if, if you don't win this game, then we're having serious conversations about Auburn getting to nine and nine in conference yeah. play and making the tournament, and so and this, I had concerns yeah. about that. And this game showed: yes, you were at home; yes, you played a bad shooting Arkansas team, and you played a depleted Arkansas team. 
but you still played a really, really good Arkansas team, and you beat them. I mean, they, you didn't they, just they win. They still have, according to that graphic or whatever, like four guys that are going to get drafted in this year's yeah. NBA draft. Anthony Black, that dude is awesome. Stud. He is going. He's so good. He is going to climb draft. He is so like, good. Draft man. stock, uh, draft boards, everything. You talk about At a dude getting to the free throw seven. line. Oh yeah. 13 oh, of yeah. 16 from the line. That's crazy. Did you see when when um, when they had I'm, – I'm drawing a blank on who got hurt and came out with that hip injury, mm-hmm. and Bruce gets to pick who shoots the free throw. <laughs> Anthony Black yeah. kept trying to sneak up there. Yeah, and I take bet it. he did. Yeah, uh, And I, I, I found that funny. That was funny. There was a point in the first half, I will say, Auburn got under Anthony Black's skin. I thought they were going to – uh, Anthony Black was going to let his emotions get the best of him, get teed up. There was a moment, and then he settled in, and he was nasty yeah. in that second half. And you could see you could see the youth in and him, had, right? He had 18 points in the second half. Yeah. You could see the youth in him, the young, you know, the freshman uh, thought process of him playing on the road in a hostile environment, getting a little frustrated, but he handled it pretty well. And he kept Arkansas in this game. Let's just be honest. He was 5 of 11 with 23 points, 13 of those from the free throw line. Dude had seven rebounds, four assists. He did have four turnovers and four fouls, so that'll get you in trouble on the road. You want me to hit you with a couple stats about Arkansas's performance? You have stats? No way. Uh, well, one, <laughs> two of 16 from three for 12.5% is really, really, really that bad. That is really bad. How about this? 17 offensive rebounds. Auburn had seven offensive rebounds, yet Auburn had 11 second chance points to Arkansas's eight. Mm. Man, there were times There were times on possessions, Arkansas had, had five layups in one possession and missed all of them. Yeah, four or five opportunities on putback layups and couldn't get them Which to go. Which brings me to my next point. Arkansas on layups was seven of twenty-two. Oh, which, seven of twenty-two. Which in that stat includes putbacks, like just the tips and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Those are included in that stat, but still, that's not good. And when oh, you get oh, that many opportunities, you got to put them in. Good. Auburn was slightly below below fifty percent. They were nine of nineteen. Yeah, uh, but now seven of 21, 22, That's awful that's really bad and credit to Auburn's defense because yes they may not have gotten all the rebounds but they were at least there contesting putbacks for Arkansas it's a credit to Janai Broom and Chris Moore to me the physical nature down there um Jalen Williams you're six foot nine and you're the starting power forward you have to get more than one rebound and you can jump higher than anybody in the gym he bounced back offensively because remember he was what one of nine, one of nine, one of yeah, nine on at, Wednesday in Athens. Well, he's he's two of four, four of four at the free throw line, one of two from three. Got his nine points, but just one rebound. That's not enough for somebody who is one of your bigger bodies out there. I agree. And again, Jalen Williams is one of the most athletic guys on the team. Like you said, a starting power forward. You have got to go and crash the glass. But there were also times, and the broadcast guys uh, did a good job pointing this out, that there were a lot of times where Auburn was not sending dudes to the glass after after a shot because they were more worried about getting back in transition to guard Arkansas on the run. So yes, Jalen Williams only had uh, that one rebound, but I'll, I'll give him a little bit of slack because uh, there were a lot of times in that game, or again, where Auburn would shoot, Bruce would send everybody back the other way. It was a one-and-done type thing to defend Arkansas 
full court and defend them in transition because of guys like Black who are just so good with the basketball in their hands. But Auburn won this game on Saturday with their defense. Auburn only scored 72 points. Not bad, but not great. And it took every ounce of their effort to get to 72 points but they held Arkansas to 59 points. Arkansas shot 34% from the field. Carter mentioned it earlier, two of 16 from three. That is good for a whopping 12.5%. The defense, which we know is good for this team and we knew would be the strength of this team, they won the game on Saturday. And in the SEC, Mm -hmm. that is good. You can win games on defense, but in college basketball as a whole – You've got to be able to score, man, because we saw when teams can beat Auburn's defense, Auburn can't keep up. So sure, Auburn won Saturday, and it's great, and we're happy about that, and we're proud of that, and we're excited for that, but Auburn offensively could still have some things to fix. Yeah, and and uh, when you look at this Auburn team, I mean, Jani Broom's been more efficient in mm-hmm. some games before, but what he has become, he is the best player on the court for Auburn every single game. I think Jalen Williams could be the best player on the court for Auburn, but what Janai Broom brings to you every night right now as far as scoring, rebounding, and his defense is so good. And this is crazy because a month ago, we were after him hard because mm-hmm. he wasn't physical enough. Yeah, And here he is, 10 points in this game, 5 of 12 from the field. He did miss a 3 there late in the game. Um, he misses one free throw, but he got 10 boards. He had a couple assists, six blocks, career high, I think, at Auburn, um, season high. I don't know if it's career high from uh, Moorhead State or not. but Probably he also, he, he also had a steal as well. Yeah. Uh, but also, we have to recognize this last guy, too. Yep. He played solid on Wednesday. Played good on Saturday. He played one of... Maybe you can make yeah. an argument his best game in an Auburn uniform. Absolutely. Alan he did. Flanagan, 18 points, five of nine from the field, three of six from three, five of six at the line, eight boards, two assists, two steals, one turnover. And uh you 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 got a shout out from uh Jack Hudden on Saturday. Oh yeah? He uh dropped your uh nickname for for Alan Flanagan oh, coming in. He was no longer an a- he was not an ATM on Saturday. But, I'll give him he, credit. Like, I tell you what. Eight boards, 18 points. If you can get that out of Allen, like Allen Flanagan's capable of being that kind of rebounder every night. Yeah. And if he plays with that confidence and Wendell Green plays at the level that he played at against Arkansas, and let's be real, that's an Arkansas team that should give Wendell Green fits when mm-hmm. it's lit. They should. If those two guys step up, this Auburn team can be a lot better than we thought four days ago. I'm with you, man. A lot of guys stepped up. A lot of guys played well. Auburn beats Arkansas 72-59. to We'll talk Auburn football recruiting when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Reminder, no Joey Blackwell today. He writes for Bama Central. Normally joins us 2.30s on Monday, uh, or 2.30 on Mondays, I should say. He is uh, tied up with Alabama basketball press conferences and stuff, so uh, he is tied up today 
today. So uh, we appreciate him letting us know. We will pick back up with him next week. But we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network in our number two. So excited to talk to him about Auburn basketball and Auburn football, which is where we take our conversation now, which is another big weekend for Auburn in the transfer portal and recruiting and it's not done and if you ask Trevon Reed are they done yet he's gonna tell you no oh no I mean I don't think they're done today I think crazy I think you're gonna see some news today but But, what they're doing right now is nothing short of amazing. Well, here's what I was... I asked you this in... Or I was telling you this during the break. Before we get into all the dudes that have committed to Auburn and that Auburn picked up over the weekend... Which could, there's like a thousand of them, it feels like. I know. And that's the thing. It's literally... It feels like it's multiple guys a day. And it, it's something that Auburn oh, fans... it has been. It has been. I know. And it's something that Auburn fans are just not used to seeing over the past seven or eight years. and or Longer than that, maybe. And I, I asked you... In the break, I said, could this be the biggest roster turnover and, and gaining of talent in the history of college football in a year? Because I think, I think, I think it's up there. I think there are three comparisons in recent history to what Auburn's doing right now. I'll, I'll say four. What Lane Kiffin did at Ole Miss, mm-hmm. making them vastly better via the, the, the transfer portal. What you saw at Michigan State a couple years ago, they added a bunch of vets, all those guys ended up, they were so good, they all went pro, and then they took a step back. Then you have USC this year, going from, what, a 5-7 and seven team to uh, in the Pac-12 championship game and in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, um, with a chance to make the playoff. And then that team right there, up on the TV screen, TCU. Yep. I don't know if you know this, they have eight transfers starting on their defense this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's where college football is. That's where college sports are, right? And we have seen with Auburn football and Hugh Freeze and this staff more effort and more success than I have ever seen. And I, I mean, look, we've oh, been yeah. we've been watching and covering college football for a long time. Not technically, but you know what I mean. This is unbelievable to watch what Hugh Freeze and this staff are doing because it is literally multiple guys a day and they're They're not not done. done. And they're getting, they're not just going and getting bodies to say they're getting bodies. No, they're getting dudes and they're getting guys that are going to come in and be immediate impact players, instant impact players. I use that term all the time. Instant impact players, those are the guys that Auburn is getting right now from the portal. They're also still getting guys from high school recruits that are going to be good in two to three years as they develop and come in and play behind these transfer portal guys, and Auburn's not done. And they're addressing positions that they need. They're addressing positions that they want. They're going to get in guys that they just flat out want to get because they can. And Auburn has not been able to do that in years. Years. Auburn has not been able to say, we Mm -hmm. want that dude, we're going to get him, and we got him. Auburn has not been able to do that. They are doing it right now. Much like what we've seen out of Auburn on the offensive line, which what they've you've landed your you've landed Isavian Miller, the number one junior college offensive tackle. You've landed Dylan Wade and Gunnar Britton, two of your top three transfer tackle targets. Mm-hmm. So you you go and get a ton of dudes, a ton of beef on the offensive yeah, line. I like that. Look at what they're doing on the defensive line, right? Which is something that we there were people concerned about, right? Where Auburn was going and getting offensive linemen, offensive linemen, offensive linemen, and we were like, okay, now it's time to address the defense. 
Hugh Freeze must have been listening to us because that's exactly what he did. Yeah, I mean, just this weekend, you pick up Mosiah Nasili Kite, the the Maryland transfer, 6'2", 300 pounds. Uh, I think he's a little, probably a little bit over that, I would imagine, probably around 310, a guy who can play at the middle, uh, eat space. And you also land Lawrence Johnson, the Purdue transfer, who on on three is listed at 6'4", uh, 285 but I've seen some places where he's listed at 310. Mm-hmm. So another really big body. And all of a sudden, you have depth up the middle on the D-line. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Depth? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you're not. You're also not done. You're in the final group for, how about this, Justin Rogers, yep. the, the, the Kentucky, Kentucky transfer. transfer, who I think it's down to Auburn. There's another SEC school, and I think Alabama are, are his three. Um and he's a highly rated guy. Some sites had him as a five-star coming out of high school. He's six two and a half, three twenty, three thirty, kind of. He visited LSU. Yeah, so I think it's Auburn, LSU, and Alabama, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and so all of a sudden, you're going to get a ton of mass. You just have to land an edge rusher or two. I think you, you have Elijah McAllister, who you brought in from Vanderbilt. You miss on the Wake Forest transfer. That one was one that you were very hopeful about. But I think the the silver lining here, Keldrick Falk and Darren Reed are guys that look like right now will walk in and play as freshmen. Keldrick Falk is 6'5", 270, dominated at Army Bowl practice. Darren Reed was similar sized uh, and had maybe not as, he doesn't maybe have the ceiling of Keldrick Falk, but he was somebody that they were talking about maybe ready to play sooner than Keldrick. I think Keldrick is a lot farther along than people mm-hmm. realize. Yeah. Um, so you have those guys that I think are going to come in and make an impact. You saw Kyan Lee have a great week at, at uh, All-American Bowl practice as well. And then you pick up you pick up Tyler Scott and C.J. Johnson. C.J. Johnson may not blow anybody away this week in the defensive backfield, but it's somebody that uh, Wesley McGriff was after at Louisville. Uh, Missouri was after. Boston College. You beat out some teams there, and it's somebody that Zach Etheridge and Wesley McGriff wanted. And then you have Tyler Scott, who, while being a three-star, here is the list of top five that you beat out. Tennessee, USC, Texas, and Alabama. It's a pretty good list, especially where those programs are right now, where Auburn is behind all of them right now when it comes to where the... Outside of what Hugh Freeze has done, Auburn's behind all of them as a program. And by going and getting these extra DBs, maybe you free up a guy like J.C. Hart to play receiver at Auburn. He's somebody that... Yeah, that's a thought. He's ranked as a DB. We've thought the whole time he's a DB. But at the signing day press conference, Hugh is the first time I've heard it. He said... They don't know what side of the ball he's going to play because he's that athletic and he's that dynamic with the ball on his hands. And it wouldn't be the first time you've seen a defensive back flip and play wide receiver, and we've seen some good ones in the past. So I think that's fun to watch and keep your eye on. How about Auburn also addressing another spot where they desperately needed bodies? I know where you're going here. How about Demario Tolan from LSU? He's going to be the best linebacker Auburn's had in the past two seasons. He's a stud. He's an absolute stud from LSU. He will not just in, a, not just a linebacker. He's from the SEC, from the SEC West, and you went and got him. He is a stud. And, and I don't know if you've kept up with with what's gone on at LSU. LSU is butt hurt about that one. When he hit the portal, Darn. they were very upset. 
you saw Matt Matt Moscano, who has oh, yeah. a radio show yeah. down there. Yeah. He had a rant where he said, this makes no sense for DeMario Tolan. Like, he was going to play. This makes no sense. Like, there had he's 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 speculating. He said he was speculating. He made sure to say that, but basically said there has to be some tampering here. And he said, watch where he ends up. That school probably tampered. Well, whatever. I you can't prove that one way or the other, right. whether and, it happened or not. But that that is outside of the tackles you got in the portal. That is the biggest pickup you made this entire cycle. Because that is a difference maker that LSU did not want to lose. And now he's going to walk in and start at Auburn. 334-321-1390. Your thoughts on all the guys that Auburn has picked up in the last month, over the last week, over the last weekend, last couple days. We'd love to hear from you and your thoughts about what Auburn football is doing in the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball. Who do you want? Who are you impressed by? We would love to hear from you and your thoughts. 334-321-1390. And one thing that really impresses me with Hugh Freeze and this staff is in the transfer portal and even in recruiting they're not afraid to go in somebody's backyard they're not afraid to walk on somebody's campus and go and get somebody like a Demario Tolan who was in the transfer portal but he was from LSU and Hugh Freeze walked in there and said hey why don't you come play for me and that's exactly what happened same thing with some of these high school recruits who have been committed to other schools Hugh Freeze and Auburn haven't backed down they've gone to these guys and said look I know you're committed here but here's why you should come and play for me. And they have won a lot of those battles. And you know what? College football is a nasty game, man. And recruiting is nasty. It is. Let's just be honest. It is what it is. It is nasty. It's dirty. It's not pretty. And Hugh Freeze knows that. He knows how it's done in the SEC. I'm not saying he's doing bad things and doing illegal things and doing things that he shouldn't be doing. I'm saying he's playing the game how it's supposed to be played, and he's playing the game to how you win in the Southeastern Conference. Because if you're afraid to go in somebody else's backyard or go get a guy that's already committed, then you're never going to win in this conference. And Hugh Freeze is doing everything he's supposed to do and everything that will lead to him being successful if he can produce on the field, which is important. And we'll get to that as the year goes on and as football inches closer. But in the offseason, man, in the first month or so that he's been here, five weeks right the dude's killing it he's absolutely Mm -hmm. killing it I mean you cannot I would love to hear if anybody has any gripe or negative thing to say about what Hugh Freeze and this staff I think it's important to say it that way Hugh Freeze and the staff I don't find a negative that they've done I mean they haven't gotten everybody but you can't expect that well you're you're not going to in the game of recruiting but I I don't think they're done I think they may add one more linebacker they may add an edge or two. They may uh, add a center. Um, a quarterback is going to happen. I like. Let's get out on the front end of this because there's. But what a about lot of what about Robbie? What about Robbie? Robbie can be a very good player in a Hugh Free system. I want to give him time to develop. Yep. I want to give him time to develop, uh, and I think that Auburn has a plan because. Auburn, in my estimation, I think Auburn could have gotten Spencer Sanders if they wanted to. And it seems to me that it was a strategic pass, which tells me that something else may be in the works. Where do you think they go? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that right now. But I don't, in my 
mind right now, the starting quarterback in 2023 for the Auburn Tigers is not on Auburn's campus right now. I would agree with that. I'd 100% agree with that. And and I don't agree with the sentiment that some people have. I saw Keith Niebuhr on, on, on three say it. That, oh, well, like Auburn's fine waiting through the spring to go get somebody. No, I want you to go get your guy now because also – Let's be honest. There may be starting caliber guys that enter the portal in May, but if you're entering the portal in May, it's because you've been beat out by somebody mm-hmm. at your school. You may just have a stud at your school, and you're also really good. That may be true, but you, I want to go get somebody who can take these reps in this new offense with these receivers, with whatever additions to the offense are there, feel comfortable with that going into fall camp. I want the guy to be here when when the last day to register for classes is, what, January 18th? I want that guy to be on campus. Which you're running out of time. You got nine days. Agreed. Agreed. You got nine days to do that. Yep. And, yeah, and what, 10 days till the portal closes? Yeah. Which, which who knows if they could figure out some magic if somebody hit the portal on the 19th and you you got that done a day after the deadline for classes maybe i don't know but no i'm with you i think i think we've seen how important it is for not just players but the quarterback to be on the team on the roster go through spring practice and be healthy going through spring practice and how important that is because that calzada was here and he didn't play during the spring because he was injured and you saw he was supposed to be the man and he never played. I do wonder, because of the way we saw um, the Devin Leary situation play out, where maybe there were some hesitations about that that pec injury mm-hmm. on his throwing throwing side. I wonder if something similar played out with Spencer Sanders, somebody who was banged up the whole back half of the year. And it could be. You could be there's there's no talent right I mean there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about and it should be that way and I'm glad that it is that way uh but I I like Spencer Sanders I think he's a great quarterback Auburn's going to get their guy they are going to get whoever they think is the best fit for them besides Grayson McCall who obviously didn't work out for for academic reasons which Auburn obviously just didn't have his major all that but Auburn's going to get their guy and I think they've proven that at every other position on the team. They've gone after dudes, and they've hit on about 85 90% of them. There were some they weren't going to win, right, in portal or recruiting, whatever. There were some they were just not going to win. But Hugh Freeze and this staff in Auburn, in the last month, when they've wanted somebody, they've just about gotten them all. I think with, with the additions you have made, you're probably – a half win to a full win better on the ceiling, but you're probably two wins, one and a half, two or two wins better on your floor. Yeah. Like, I think this is an eight and four team right now, which would, Easily. which I would, every Auburn fan out there should say, yep, sign me up for eight and four. Eight and sign four. me up for eight and four. And I think that's a combo between the coaching and talent versus the schedule because the schedule's not bad next year for Auburn. When you look at it, it's not bad. And if Auburn can put some talent together, they can really make some noise in the SEC West. They can make some noise in college football if they're not careful. So I think Hugh Freeze and company are doing great things. We got to get to our final break here in hour number one. Give us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. What's on your mind? 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one of the Monday edition of On the Line when we come back. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the first hour of the Monday edition of On the Line. I feel like this show's flying by today. It is. We're having fun today, man. We're having a blast. We're, we're always having fun. We're always having fun. And speaking of fun, funny, that is, we're watching ESPN. Obviously, they've got all their college football national championship uh, pregame coverage going on. And Nick Saban is there talking with uh, David Pollock on ESPN. And I know they do this every year that he's not in it, that Alabama's not in it. They always have him at the national championship game. I just think. I mean, they flew this man from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, all the way to Los Angeles for him to be on TV. There's no shot he was like excited about this, right? I mean, he. I mean, you're having to fly across the country to talk about your one of your rivals being in the national championship game and what it means to be in the championship game. Like, I, I, <laughs> I just I, think I it's kind of funny. Well, it's and they also have him there because he can give you insight on. Oh yeah, Georgia I, because of Kirby. Right, and all I know that. why but, he's there. I just but, think it's funny that they're yeah, having him do it. Dumb. Like, and well, it's a no-brainer for him because it's, yeah, I mean, it's screen time for his face in his program. Yeah. Um, but I will say this setup that they have, these little wooden chairs they have them on, it makes Saban look one very uncomfortable sitting in the chair and two very small. Yeah, which I mean, he's not a tall person, and I'm not making fun of him. He's just not a tall person. Like, I also was looking at his suit, and I was. Um, I like it. I pulled up the Nick Saban Aflac commercial to see if the shade of suit matched. Is it? Is it the same one? No, no, no. Oh. It's, it's his Aflac suit is about two shades lighter than that. Gotcha. Well, he's wearing like a like a royal blue. You would think that he'd be wearing like a crimson tie or something, something that like gave a nod to Alabama. But he's wearing like a uh, royal, blue royal blue suit blue with, a with a bright pink, pink tie? tie, like a breast cancer awareness pink tie color. Like it looks good, but no, I I love. I this. know we, we're yeah. we're breaking down Nick Saban's appearance that's right. right now. That's right. That's what radio is all about, man. Painting a picture, right? I I know why he's out there. I just think it's funny that he had to get on a jet and fly across the entire country to talk about his team not being in the national championship game. I just find that humorous. But as we've got a couple of minutes here in the first hour. Again, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on Auburn basketball, Auburn football. Who wins tonight and why? Georgia, TCU. We're going to talk about that coming up in the first segment of our number two. Who wins tonight? What's your score prediction for Georgia, TCU? Uh, uh, lots and lots and lots of money on TCU tonight. Line is 13. Uh, TCU getting a lot, of fu- a lot of love tonight in Vegas and all over the country on betting sites, whatever. So we're going to talk about that coming up at the start of hour number two. But again, I just I can't speak enough and highly enough about Hugh Freeze and the staff and how big of a weekend it was again for Auburn football recruiting and the transfer portal. Oh, yeah, this is it's so big because they're addressing the needs and there's just a couple left that you can truly say are needs. You probably need to add at least one receiver, um, which I fully expect them to do sooner than later. Um, And then you probably need a center to give Connor Lou a year to develop. And then I think Connor Lou's your guy for the next two, three years after that. Um, because I think he's, well, two to 40 years after that. I think he's that kind of a dude. Um, but and then you also need, need a quarterback. I think a quarterback would also go a long way to help finish off the final couple pieces on this Auburn offense via the transfer portal. Uh, we know that they're after the South Florida running back Brian Batty, a guy who is uh, explosive a dynamic player, kind of smaller, a different skill set than what we've seen 
out of the backs currently on Auburn's roster. 5'8", 170 is what he's listed at. This year at South Florida, an offense that was not very good. No. Uh, 176 rushes for 1,186 yards, 6.7 yards a pop, 8 touchdowns, 91 receiving yards, and he returned a bunch of balls, too. It's 659 kick return yards. Auburn could use some kick returners. There's no doubt about that. Hey, hour number one, officially in the books. Come back for hour number two. We'll talk and preview the national championship game. We'll talk more Auburn football and basketball with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. All coming up in hour number two. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. Happy National Championship Day in college football. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you all had a great weekend. We've got so much to go over here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, uh, we talked a lot of Auburn basketball, Auburn football recruiting, and the transfer portal. Great conversation in the first hour. So if you missed any of that, be sure to go back and catch up with the podcast. Podcast. You can listen to it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. It'll all be right there, commercial free, or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, however you want to do it, you can find it there, commercial free as well. So here in hour number two, we're going to preview the college football national championship tonight. TCU and Georgia. The dogs are 13 point favorites against the uh, TCU Horn Frogs. We'll talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. And then at 3:30, we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports network get his thoughts on Auburn football recruiting Auburn football in the transfer portal and of course Auburn basketball's big win over Arkansas on Saturday and also preview the Tigers playing Ole Miss tomorrow so we'll talk to Jacob Hillman at 3 30 about that but before we do all of that we're going to start hour number two by getting to the phone lines 334-321-1390 Terry you're on the line man happy Monday welcome in hey Jacob hey Carter um all joking aside, guys, all kidding around aside, y'all okay. know I was a Hugh Freeze guy from the start. Mm-hmm. But, and, but y'all remember why I was a Hugh Freeze guy from the start? Because I said he would work the hardest. I was going to yeah. say the effort, yeah. yeah, The effort, and that's what you're seeing right now. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. He's working his tail off, and his staff is too. So, um, As far as the national title game tonight, I, I think Charlie Trotman on the previous show made a great point. Marvin Harrison Jr. was lighting up Georgia – before he got hurt. Who is the receivers for TCU? I think they could light him up. I really do. So it's going to be Quentin Johnston is the guy that everybody uh, That's looks their to, go-to, as, their, yeah. as their stud. And then they is he have a big receiver. Yeah, he's he's a really big, really fast guy. He is mm. um he's I'm pulling up his thing now. He's 6'4", about 200 pounds, uh 1000-yard receiver this year. 
Um, but yeah, he's he's a dynamic player, and he's had some huge games this year. And then their their second guy is Tay Barber, who's a solid n- number two. I think like 600 yards on the year uh, around there, if I recall. Yeah, you you had Quentin Johnson got off to a really slow start, and then against Kansas, he went for 206 and a touchdown. Oklahoma State 180 and a touchdown. And then Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, he had 139. And then against Michigan, 163 and a touchdown. Well, people talk about how great Georgia's defense is, and it's really good. But Marvin Harrison Jr. was, was doing a number on him before he got hurt. Oh, yeah. Ma- it, Marvin Harrison Jr., to me, completely cemented the fact that he was the best receiver in college football this year in that game. Yeah. Absolutely. And Georgia's good up front, right? I mean, they're good up front, but their secondary has been burned. Tennessee showed how to do it in the SEC championship game, and then uh, Ohio State did it in the semifinals. So, yeah, TCU absolutely could burn them in the secondary. Now, is there any update in your in your uh that you've seen carter that the running back for tcu is going to go i saw he was 50 50 i don't know if he's 100 percent going tonight or not uh i have not seen the answer to that 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 would be huge if he was i I imagine in a game like this he'll probably try to go if you are 50 50 you're probably gonna go you're you're probably gonna play because it's that the implications are that big uh like like darnell washington if there's a chance he can go i think you'll see him go yep well, I do not like the University of Georgia at all. But the main reason I want to see TC wins, I want to see Stetson Bennett cry. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> well, do you not like Stetson on, Bennett, Terry? Hang on. Terry, no, he's, he's going he's gonna to cry either way. Did you not see him cry after they won the semifinal? Didn't pay that close attention. I was still mad that they won it. So I, I, probably, I probably just turned it off because well, I was so angry. Well, Terry, what's your I mean, prediction for tonight, man? Oh, I, I can't make a prediction. I don't know. But I do think TC covers at 13. Okay, interesting. I, I think the, uh, that's where a lot of money's going tonight. It got down to 12.5, and, and you're starting to see the line trickle back up. It's up to 13.5 now, which mm. tells me I think Big there, money's there, coming. there are some sharp people out there that, that feel like Georgia's going to dominate this game. So it's now, a TCU game. It's just a, seems like that. Do what, sorry, TCU just seems like that seemed a destiny to me. I don't know. Maybe Fair. I'm wrong. Yeah, no, they do. They, they've got it all going for them, no so, doubt. So Kendra Miller and Darnell Washington are game-time decisions for this game. Darnell okay, Watson is hopeful to play. Kendra Miller is 50-50. Okay, let me switch back to the portal for a second. I asked you about mm-hmm. a couple of guys. Have they decided that offensive lineman from Alabama, George, Damian George, and the receiver from Jordan Nash, I think his name was. Have they made decisions? You mean Thrash? Uh, Thrash, I'm sorry. Thrash, I think, committed to Louisville. Um, okay. And then Damian George, I don't know where he's at, but I think. He's, um, at, Alabama. he's at Alabama. Well, yeah. Well, he's he's not there anymore. But but I I don't know where exactly he. I don't think he's committed anywhere. Right I haven't now. seen it. I'm not sure. Um, I think Auburn's probably looking at a couple other guys rather than Damian George. Because well, I, the, the, my wish list would be that defensive end out of Wake Forest. Well, he he committed to Oklahoma. I think yesterday. Well, thank you for ruining my Monday, Carter. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, glad we could be here for you, man. That's, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. Look, they're going to be fine. They're going to be, I tell you what, oh, yeah. they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. No doubt mm-hmm. about that. It'd be pretty so, impossible not to be, I so, think. So, now, as as Damian one, George, one thing. I think, is is going on a visit to Ole Miss. Uh, he either mm. went yesterday or he's going this next weekend. And one last thing about the quarterback, Jacob and Carter. Mm-hmm. Bill Cameron brought this up the other day, and, the, and I didn't really consider it much of them, but I thought about it over the weekend, and he may, he may be onto something here. 
could it be a situation where the kid at Coastal Carolina finishes and comes to Auburn in, say, June? I think that, I mean, if you get to the point where where that is, where you don't have somebody in the door at that point, I mean, I, I could see Auburn circling back to him at that point in time, but um, I, I imagine Hugh Freeze wants somebody on campus the last day that you can enroll in classes, January 18th. I don't know, Carter. I think I don't think they're circled back. I think that may be a plan. I'm starting to believe that might be a plan. It could be. It, it definitely could be. I just, sure. I would. It, I there's think, no doubt I the kid that can play. Is, but there is a couple other things that this staff may have in the works right now. Mm-hmm. I would it, just it, rather it, the guy be here that we aren't privy to. I'd rather the guy be here early, play through spring, play through summer, right? Because we just we know how important that is, right? We know how important it is for the guy to be here, play with the offense, play with the team for as long as physically possible. So, it, it not saying it's not an option, Terry. It definitely could be, and if it happens, I think most Auburn fans would be okay with it. Well, I agree with what you're saying, but the guy's a three or four year player. He, he's, you know, he's. I agree with you getting to know his teammates and, and establishing that relationship and everything. But the guy's already played a ton. Agreed. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I mean he he is a he is a difference maker, and he is the best G five quarterback in the country. You could also put Michael Pratt in that conversation. Those would be the the two guys that I would discuss for best G five quarterback in the country. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, appreciate Appreciate it, Terry. It's good to hear from you. That is Terry joining us on the phone lines. We'd love for you to join in and be a part of the show as well. 334-321-1390. To get back to the national championship game tonight, TCU, the number three team in the playoff. Georgia, the number one team in the playoff. Obviously, uh, Georgia, anywhere from 13 to 13 and a half spread is where it's at right now. Just kind of depends on where you're looking. Uh, Lots, like I was saying, lots of money on on TCU, but a lot of those have been smaller bets, right? And if you're not familiar with how Vegas works, right, you have it. You can have a ton of bets, but they're smaller. And then right at the very end, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes those big money people will come in right at the end. They'll wait for the lines to drop like that. And then they'll just throw money on where they think it's going to go. So I think that there's some people waiting to for this line to continue to drop and they're going to throw big money on Georgia right before the game starts. I think Georgia has obviously more talent than TCU. I think Georgia's offense is comparable but not as good as TCU. And if TCU's offense can do what they've done all season long, and if Georgia's defense plays like they have in the last couple of games, TCU has a legitimate chance to win this game tonight. But when you talk about when you talk about guys who line up together and you're comparing Georgia and TCU just lining up playing man-for-man football, Georgia's going to beat TCU just about every single time. And that is what I think could be the difference tonight. Now, if TCU jumps on Georgia... We'll see. But I said that in the semifinal, and Ohio State did it, and Georgia came back and won that football game. So uh, I think it's going to be a great game again. Georgia favored 13 to 13 and a half, over under 62. Um, I think that's a pretty good number. And I think what determines that number is can Georgia score on TCU? That is, that is, that's where I put it, right? I put it at. Um, can TCU, not that can TCU score on Georgia, can Georgia score? And we know they can. It's the TCU defense that has to play well tonight for oh, me. Oh, I don't, I don't have any issue with Georgia scoring. I think that, that, that they're going to they're gonna score fine. I think that, I honestly, I'm 
a lot more pro-Georgia than you seem to be. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. We have Wes from Jacksonville visiting Auburn. Welcome in, man. Well, thanks. I, I do like talk radio. I'm from Atlanta. I'm a Georgia grad. My girlfriend lives in Auburn. So I came over to visit okay. her for the big game. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, you know, the biggest game Georgia plays every year in the regular season is where I love. Uh, so I think it's absolutely remarkable what Kirby Smart and this team has done this year to defend their championship. Mm-hmm. They've come out against every team that's challenged them. People picking against them from Oregon. I watched ESPN game day. All three football people picked Tennessee to beat Georgia. And Georgia had beaten them five years in a row by 14 points or more in each game. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is this team has received very little respect. The anger has come out a little bit here and there. Stetson Bennett after the Tennessee game, Kirby Smart after the LSU uh, SEC championship, which, by the way, I thought was massive to win that uh, after the national championship. This Mm -hmm. team has been disrespected all year. I don't know what we have to do to earn it. I guess we got to win like 30 in a row. We're 32 and 1, and our, the only game we've lost was to Bama. Win 16 in a row, lose that. Now we won 16 more in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU is the team that's going to be challenged. I agree. Georgia's seen it all. They play in the SEC, they've seen size, speed. Tremendous athletes in every position. Okay? They've seen it. They've been on the big stage. In my opinion, it's how TCU plays. I know how we're going to play. And here's how we're going to play. Very, very physical and aggressive. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to play tonight. I'm with you. And, I agree. And, and the reason people throw on us a lot and yeah, uh, is they can't run it on us. That's fair. No, that's 100% I mean, fair. When, you, when you've when you got Jalen Carter up the middle, I mean, yeah. When you run the ball, you've got to – I think the key to the game for Georgia's victory is this. I'll ball it down to them. Okay? It's the pressure and the way Kirby Smart's going to steam the pressure on Duggan. In mm-hmm. the SEC championship game, it was schemed as an inside rush with the outside linebackers, defensive ends, staying home – and when uh, Daniels broke out of the pocket, they attacked him. Uh, that's in Hendon Hurd, uh, uh, the Tennessee quarterback, was schemed the same way. Mm-hmm. A powerful rush up the middle, the guys making containment. The problem is the last game against Ohio State, you notice C.J. Stroud broke containment a couple mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. Caused some damage. So I think the key to the game is keep Duggan in the pocket, hit him hard, attack him, and just play our game. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's 100% yeah. fair. Georgia does not need to play uh, like this outrageously special game. They just need mm-hmm. to play their game. I'm with. I think Georgia's the better team. I think Georgia's more I mean, talented. I think, I think they're better coached. Solid defense, like we've been playing uh, in the SEC championship game and against Ohio State. It was much harder to run the ball against those teams. I think Georgia's going to run the ball tonight. I think they will, too. I think they have to if they want to kind of keep TCU on their toes, which is why I was saying right before you actually called, I said it's about the TCU defense tonight. If the TCU defense plays well, this could be a game. But if Georgia just does whatever they want on offense, then it's over. 
uh, I feel like Michigan blew that game. That McCarthy's two picks uh, did them in. Uh, pick sixes. Yeah, That's turnovers hurt them for sure. I mean, yeah. to, to to an extent, I agree. But I mean, TCU also like. Which to to what? to your point, Georgia, it's a different story running the ball in Georgia. But TC ran the ball very well in that game. They ran for two hundred plus yards. They yeah, but, uh, like they I'm they moved the ball well to to that, that entire game. Georgia is not Michigan. Oh, I I, I, I agree, and yeah. and I said that on Friday's More show. With, and faster and aggressive than Michigan. I agree. I I said that on Friday. I, I I said on Friday that the difference between Michigan had never seen. The three three five and the different weird angles that you see people attacking an offensive line, attacking a run game. Georgia has they they they've seen Mississippi State, they've seen that. Plus, I think their offensive line is better athletically, and I cited that screen pass to Kenny McIntosh for a touchdown in the semifinal, where you had multiple all big three hundred plus pound offensive linemen out there paving the way, making plays on safeties. Uh, blowing it open for for Kenny McIntosh. I think yeah, that I, I, I think I, Georgia's I, athletes are to, too good. I'm trying to t- uh, uh, temper it. And guys, thank you for uh, taking my call. First of all, as a visitor to your lovely absolutely here on the plains, my girlfriend uh, just walked in the uh, came into the car, so I got to go. Okay, and, uh, have a have a good night and appreciate it. Again. Good, good, yeah, hey, good luck to yeah, you, Wes. Yeah, good luck to the dogs, to you, man. We appreciate you calling yeah, in. When I, I come back over to Auburn, I'll touch base with you guys. All right, hey, you. man, we appreciate it. it. Safe travels. We appreciate you calling in and being part of the show. That was Wes from uh, Jacksonville visiting Auburn. Uh, big Georgia fan and uh, has confidence in the dogs. He said, play their game. I'm with him. I'm with him. I, I think that people are too caught up in – TCU's getting all these points and Team of Destiny and look at how they've figured out a way to win all these games. I think Georgia's a different animal. I think I think when when you we we talk about the blue chip ratio, Ohio State has the talent to potentially go athlete for athlete a little bit with Georgia. Georgia's go what get the second most talent in the country behind Alabama as far as just raw roster data. Mm-hmm. TCU's not in that ballpark. And I think that the, uh, to an extent, that's going to get exposed tonight. We'll talk about it some more when we come back. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the national championship game tonight. It's TCU and it's Georgia battle for the best in college football. Your predictions, your thoughts, who has to play well tonight for TCU and Georgia to win. We'll also talk about question of the day when we come back. That's kind of what it is. What would a win tonight mean for TCU? And what would a win tonight mean for Georgia? We'll talk about it when we come back. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Go with Carter Burke talking the national championship game tonight, TCU and Georgia. I still feel that a lot of people are betting on T- on TCU. But by the by the time this thing kicks off, there's going to be a lot of money on Georgia tonight. Look, I'm torn. I'll be completely honest. My head, right? My head and my and the excitement wants me to say TCU just because of what they've done so far. What they did against Michigan, what they've done so far. Max Duggan is a, he's a dude, right? This offense is really really good. But my gut tells me Georgia because I know 
what Georgia is. We know what Georgia is. We know how TCU cannot line up with Georgia pound for pound, man for man, position for position. They can't do it. TCU's good, and TCU's got some guys, especially on the offensive side, but I'm telling you, where this game will be won and lost tonight is Georgia's offense versus TCU's defense, because if Georgia can put up 40, 50 points tonight, TCU cannot keep up against Georgia's defense because Georgia's defense will get some stops. Are they going to give up some points and plays tonight? Yeah, probably so, because Max Duggan and this TCU offense are too good. But this Georgia defense, they are going to get some stops. And if Georgia can run the ball like Wes was telling us, if they can run the ball and then go deep and just go on drives and keep Max Duggan off the field because that's the best defense against him, Georgia's going to win this game because Georgia's too good. Georgia's too talented against TCU they just are I think that you want to talk about maybe the disrespect that we had Wes talking about there I I would point to the fact that I think everybody takes this Georgia team and stacks them up to last year's team Mm -hmm. and the offense is better Um, I think part of it maybe people don't value the quarterback position with Stetson Bennett as much as they should uh, because he's not going to be a first-round caliber guy uh, at the quarterback position. That's just not who he is. But the weapons are there. Um, it, hel- it would help a lot if Darnell Washington can go because he's a daggum third offensive tackle mm-hmm. that also plays tight end and apparently can hurdle people. Uh, but and, and the fact that they lost just so much off that defense, I think that people all year have kind of – doubted them a little bit but I think some of that doubt has come from some of Georgia's performances this year Kent State Missouri first half against Auburn Tennessee in the SEC championship game I know they dominated that but they gave up a lot of points and yards in that game too so is this Georgia team extremely talented and good yes absolutely yeah should they be favored are they favored for a reason tonight yeah absolutely are they getting some doubt and some hate that may be unwarranted? Maybe. But I do think some of it is for some reasons because of the way they've played in some of their games this year. They've beaten everybody. They've they've won all their games. You can't I mean, you can't argue with that. They've won every single game. They're 14 and 0 and they're on the verge of winning back-to-back national championships. And Wes was saying, "What do we have to do? I think you got to win tonight. Win the I national mean, championship." You, can't you say the you can do that same game with TCU, though. TCU's played a bunch of close games. They haven't looked pretty all the time. They actually have a loss. Uh, arguably, if Will Howard doesn't get hurt in the first Kansas State game, Kansas State beats them twice, and we're not even talking about TCU right now. I, mean, I, I think that... And I think it's part of once a program gets to this level, when you've been sustained this good for so long, people look for... They, they are more critical of you. They look to tear you down more. Uh, they look for your flaws a little harder. Same thing happens with Alabama every year. But when, this feels soon- different. This feels different. Because maybe it's not as long, and it's not it's not Nick Saban, and it's not, well, it's not I mean, Alabama. I mean, it's, he hasn't sustained right. the, a dynasty from 2008 to 2021 or yeah. 2020. And that's what I'm saying. This is new. This is still fairly new, but... Georgia's on the verge of starting something in a, as a dynasty over in Athens, Georgia, because they're on the verge of winning back-to-back national championships, and they're yes, not slowing and, down and, anytime and soon. And I think that they're 
this could be a passing of the baton moment officially if Georgia gets a second one because there's holes in that in in Tuscaloosa and the foundation there. Uh, they they aren't as deep as they've been. They haven't had that dynamic. They didn't have that dynamic receiver, that first round guy. Uh, or two, or three, or four that they've had in the past that changed that offense. They're Bryce Young's walking out the door. Will Anderson's walking out the door. I know they have a ton of talent, but it's a little more unsure in Tuscaloosa where I feel like Georgia, we're, we're at the very minimum still on the early side of the plateau, if not still continuing upwards. Which gets into our question of the day. we got a few minutes before we get to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. What would a win tonight mean for Georgia, and what would it mean for TCU? We'll start with the Horned Frogs. If TCU wins tonight, what does that mean for them, their program, their conference moving forward in college football? For TCU, this is an opportunity for you to say, the Big 12 is ours. Texas and Oklahoma are going out the door in a year. We have a chance to, one, be better than them next year still. We can, be, we can position ourselves to be the class of the Big 12 going forward. I think for TCU it would mean that the Big 12 is legit. And the Big 12 can run with everybody because they beat the best team it out of the be, Big Ten. It, it would be a statement for yeah. sure. They'd beat the big, the best team in the Big Ten, and they would beat the best team in the SEC if TCU wins tonight. It shows that a first-year head coach can come in and turn things around and do things to an unbelievable level like we're seeing right now in TCU. And it would make a huge statement across college football that the SEC is good, but they can be slayed. I think that's what it would mean for TCU tonight. If Georgia wins tonight what would that mean for the Bulldogs Georgia wins for not tonight I'm, I'm going right back to this is the batons have been passed this is the Georgia era after the era of dominance that we saw Nick Saban have at Alabama because I feel that Georgia would be better positioned to sustain for the future because Nick Saban I've said this before, the end's a heck of a lot closer than than the beginning of this dynasty in Alabama. He can't coach forever. Yeah. It's, it's he, he's and Kirby still relatively young when you compare to Nick Saban and he's learned all the tricks and he's clearly adapted it to Georgia and adapted it extremely well. They look like a team that could be that next dynasty for the next decade. If Georgia wins tonight, it shows that Kirby Smart's legit. It shows that he was not... Look, the running thing with Georgia was they had not won a national championship in 40 years. And the thing that was with the only thing holding Kirby Smart back from being great at Georgia and a great recruiter at Georgia was that they had not won a national championship. He has done that, and he's on the verge of doing it back-to-back. And I'm with you. I think if Georgia wins tonight, it doesn't put them at that Alabama peak status, but it puts them on the right path to get there. Because if you win back-to-back... You know how hard that is to do in any sport, nevertheless, college football and today's college football? Bama was the last one to do it. Alabama. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And Bama was the last one. This would show that Georgia 
is there and they're here to stay for a long time and it also shows that Auburn's got some work cut out for them because Alabama may be taking a step down but Georgia's replacing them right there they don't play on the same side but Auburn plays Georgia every single year if you forgot so a win tonight would secure uh, legacy status for Kirby Smart already and would secure legacy status for Stetson Bennett as well by the way 70% of the bets on this game have come in on TCU. 70% of the bets. Not the money, of the bets. Check on that right before kickoff tonight. We got to get to a break. We'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, Auburn basketball, Auburn football, and his thoughts on the championship game tonight. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on the Auburn Opelika sports leader, ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in our usual Monday afternoon guest. It's our good friend Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. Lots to talk about with Auburn basketball, Auburn football, and it's National Championship Monday, my friend. Yeah, happy Monday, happy New Year to you guys. And, you know, it was an exciting weekend, especially on the Plains with the bounce-back win in basketball and obviously everything going on on the recruiting trail. Well, obviously football recruiting, basketball, also Auburn gymnastics got going as well. So lots to get into. So we'll start with basketball on Saturday. Obviously last Wednesday, the Tigers go on the road. They lose in in Athens and a very ugly performance for Auburn, but they bounce back extremely well on Saturday. They defeat Arkansas uh, in a game where the Tigers never trailed. They beat Arkansas 72 to 59. Your thoughts about the Tigers performance in Neville Arena on on Saturday yeah I think it really starts with the defense and the adjustment that uh, coach Pearl and, and the coaching staff made going into the game with practice and how you implement a zone defense that you haven't run all year and you don't let those big guards for Arkansas like Anthony Black uh, uh, really attack you and do well against you Ricky Council uh, and they did score 23 and 14 points but outside of that they weren't able to facilitate or play make and uh, it was forcing guys to shoot threes that didn't want to shoot three, going two for 16 from the three-point line. Auburn got a lead and was able to hold on to it, and it really didn't get too close uh, ever throughout the game. Auburn had that 11-point yeah. lead at halftime, and then it, it was that way through the second half. And then obviously on offense, you, you get some work from Wendell Green Jr., who led the team in scoring, and only turned the ball over eight times as a team, and Green only turning it over three times. That made a big difference, and I, and I can't go without mentioning Alan Flanagan, who I think can make that a consistent type of game he has every year. Maybe not scoring 18 points every time, but having at least 10 points uh, per game from Alan Flanagan can make a huge difference for this team. Oh, and I, I think rebounding seven, eight times should be something that we – I think he has the, he has that athletic ability uh, and, and that ability in general to get seven, eight rebounds a game because of kind of mm-hmm. the way that he plays, but – Talking about Wendell Green, talking about Alan Flanagan, a couple guys who this year at certain points have been going through it. Wendell Green basically all the way up until this game for the last week, week and a half or so, had not been very efficient, had, was struggling mightily. What did you see out of them specifically in this one, especially in a matchup against a very long Arkansas team that you would have thought would have given Wendell Green some trouble? Right, and that's the big thing is, he was having more turnovers than assists and things of that nature, and you can't have that. 
especially when you're struggling on offense in other areas. So for him to come out and, and, and have more assists and turnovers and only eight as a team, it, it was so impressive to see him go against probably your, your, your marquee matchup of the first half of the SEC schedule. I, I, there's not really another one until uh, that Tennessee game in February. You're, you're getting into the second half at that point. Uh, that that matches this mat, this game. So getting this win was big in general, but having Wendell Green be able to bounce back and uh, score the way he did and facilitate and open things up for other guys, I thought was just so important. And and, and he was able to do it because I, I felt like the, the the pace maybe slowed down a little bit. And uh, I also thought just getting him comfortable uh, early in the game. Uh, Coach Pearl talked about it post game how he. Uh, Coach Burgermaster drew up that play uh, that was the four-point play to open the game, and he hit that, and you could tell there that just something flipped. And then, obviously, two possessions later, he hits another three. He had the Auburn's first seven points, and just getting him comfortable uh, seemed to be a huge deal. And obviously, you're not going to have him shoot the first two threes every game on the first two possessions, but uh, it showed that he still has it in him, and, and he's able to uh, score it well if he can. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. This was a game for Auburn where coming off a bad loss against Georgia in Athens, this was a game where Auburn could have just fallen over and died and letting Arkansas run all over them, but they didn't. And they bounced back with a huge top 15 win in the SEC. What does this win mean this early in conference play for Auburn moving forward? Well, it, it certainly means, and it wasn't even with a loss on Saturday, it means the sky's not falling. And I think that's what mm-hmm. a, a lot of the fan base was starting to just kind of feel like. And, and, and there, was, there was reason to be concerned after Wednesday's performance. That, that was not a good game, and um, there were a lot of areas for improvement, and there still are. But to bounce back the way Auburn did, um, I, I heard you guys talking about it at the start of the show, how you know Auburn actually climbed an AP poll. That that's a big deal, and you don't want to talk about rankings in January. That that doesn't matter. You want to be playing your best basketball in February, in late February, and in March, uh, and get a good seed so that you can advance in the tournament. But uh, it just shows that uh, the performances are impressing uh, folks, and and beating a top fifteen team like Arkansas. Arkansas also only dropped two spots in the poll. That that shows that all right, this win matters, and it's going to be a resume booster. And um, I was talking to Carter before we went on the air about, hey, that Northwestern team, that Northwestern win back in uh, November in Cancun. Looks decent. Looking a lot better now. It looks a lot better now. It's a quad one win. So, you know, it just shows that it's a long season. And it's something that Auburn fans and really everyone has to remember. College basketball fans always need to remember. It is a long season. And uh, and one hiccup here and there isn't going to ruin your season, mm-hmm. especially in January. So, I mean, a few games into SEC play, we've seen um, some interesting movement in the SEC basketball standings. I think everybody would, would admit right now the two most dominant-looking teams in the conference appear to be Alabama and Tennessee as they have rolled to a 3-0 start. We've seen Kentucky, Arkansas, uh, some of these teams that were ranked early, Mississippi State kind of struggle out the gate. And you've also seen some teams that were not great in non-conference play, like Texas A&M start out. What have you seen out of the conference? What have you seen out of the standings? Uh, and is there anything that jumps out to you here early? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that Alabama and Tennessee are going to be the two teams with targets on their back uh, all throughout the season. And then, like you said, those surprise teams like Texas A&M, uh, 
out of conference play, and I'd say Missouri all year long, uh, they're up there in the ranking. They're two impressive teams that you got to look out for. Auburn has uh, three games against Texas A&M and Missouri, and then you have four games against Alabama and Tennessee, and those are the four teams above the Tigers in the standings. So uh, there's a lot of ground. To, there's a lot of ways you can make up ground and, and get yourself in contention for an SEC title. And then, and then below you, you still have teams that can make a move. I think LSU. Uh, has a chance to be a pretty good team this year. And, uh, you know, it might be a little early, but at some point that Georgia loss might not look too bad. It, I don't know what exactly how far they, they went down to Florida and didn't uh, get a win, but I think that team has some talent that uh, can potentially prove to be a couple um, of solid wins and, and be resume boosters. I don't know if they're going to be a tournament team, but might be on the bubble. So I, I, the conference – looks like it has in the previous years where you have your top dogs and then you have just a clutter in the middle where you don't know what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen with the SEC uh, this season. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, let's flip to football where it was another big weekend for Hugh Freeze and company when it came to the transfer portal, when it comes to high school recruiting. Uh, Carter and I have talked a lot about it today as we will all week long about just the efforts that Hugh Freeze and this staff have put in the transfer portal and high school recruiting. It seems like right now, Hillman, if, if Hugh Freeze and Auburn want somebody, they're going to get them more times than not. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Uh, like you said, what a weekend it was. The Grabbing O-linemen, grabbing DBs, grabbing defensive linemen, uh, and a linebacker here. It, it, it was just it was hard to keep up with, honestly. I, <laughs> thing I, um, I was told, like, hey, did Auburn got this commitment? And I, I said who it was, and I was like, no, this guy. I was like, oh, okay. So it, it's really nice to see uh, just – all these players coming in, and it's coming off of guys visiting the campus and seeing it and uh, having those conversations face-to-face with Coach Freeze and the rest of the staff. It's, it's really nice to see this uh, happen. And it gives you uh, some optimism for this upcoming season because a lot of these guys are transfers that have a chance to uh, make immediate impacts. Gunnar Britton, I think, is the big one uh, out of Western Kentucky. And then uh, – you have uh, the transfer linebacker from LSU, Demario Tolan. I think he's going to have uh, to make an immediate impact oh, yeah. uh, on the defensive side of the football. So that's that. That's the big thing to me is that this gives you uh, optimism for this upcoming season. To you know, m- maybe not you're not shooting for maybe necessarily a SEC West championship, but you never know. You never know, and uh, whatever that whatever that ceiling is continues to rise. Yeah, Jacob, and I, I don't think the staff's done. I think they're going to continue to add mm-hmm. talent. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if you see talent get added as quickly as today. Uh, I, I think that there's some some options there. I mean, I think that you could see a receiver or a center, something like that, shake out here for Auburn. Are there any other, I guess, positions of need that you think still need to be addressed, add a player or two going into this 2023 season? Well, obviously, everyone's going to talk about the quarterback position and and adding some competition there. Because here, here, here's my thoughts on that: is that Robbie Ashford is capable. He had the chance to be a great quarterback for Auburn, but I think adding a little more competition because obviously you've got Holden Garner there. But I think adding another guy that's experienced, that has starting uh, experience at a Power Five school or even a Group of Five school, uh, can prove to be good for Robbie Ashford. I think Robbie Ashford. I don't know if it weren't for the competition last summer, last spring, and then fall camp. I don't know if he would have uh, played as well as he did last year. I think he uh, 
he, the way he battled improved him. And then uh, you mentioned the receiver room. I think that's another spot that uh, could really use somewhere. And I think running back as well, uh, just for depth. I, I like the running back room where it's at right now, but maybe one more guy uh, could help because some of those guys are kind of young. So I just think those skill positions on the offense, uh, they're not really needed, but having another one or two of those guys would be really nice. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Outside of uh, men's basketball and football, uh, women's basketball had a a tough weekend, to say the least, against Alabama. And then gymnastics got off to a hot start in their opening meet of the season, setting records already in gymnastics. What can you tell us going on around Auburn athletics? Yeah, it's really impressive. And and that gymnastics team, ranked number five in the country, uh, set a program record for uh, the season opener meet uh, with a 197.35. You know, you're looking at those scores mid-season uh, usually. And uh, obviously, Suni Lee had a perfect 10 uh, in the opener. And, and, I think, and I think the big part about this is that in these first two weeks, obviously the uh, season opener at the uh, inaugural Super 16 in Vegas, you're in a quad meet facing number one, number four, number 10. Well, next weekend you go on the road and you're facing uh, number two, Florida. That, that is the competition you've got to face. And uh, it, it's going to be difficult to expect uh, them to go in and win that meet. But you never know. We, what we saw last year in Neville Arena between Auburn and Florida was some of the most incredible gymnastics that that, that arena's ever seen. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that matchup and uh, what this Auburn gymnastics team has in store for this season. Jacob, I guess quickly here, we know Auburn is on the road at Ole Miss tomorrow night. What do you expect to see out of Auburn in that matchup? And uh, do, you, do you think that they continue the momentum here on the road in that one? I think they can. I, I, it, it's, I haven't watched Ole Miss enough this year to, to really speak on them as much, but I do think that this Ole Miss team doesn't seem like it's the same as usual. But Kermit Davis uh, does seem to give Coach Pearl some fits, and, he, and he'll admit that as well. So, uh, I, I think Auburn is able to continue the uh, the streak, but it, it's it's just going to be one of those things where, all right, how does Auburn look on the road uh, in conference play? And, and that's going to be the important thing. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll be on the air of the Auburn Sports Network at uh, 7.30, Andy Burson, and Brad Law in Oxford, and I'll be in the studio uh, for that. All right, in the studio. So uh, you've got control, so if something goes wrong, we blame Jacob Hillman. That's always <laughs> nice to know. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. One more thing before we let you get out of here. It's National Championship Monday. TCU, Georgia, who wins tonight, man? Well, should I tell you who I think is going to win or who I hope wins? Because uh, I think we know which way that's going to go. I think I know the answer <laughs> to both of these. You're exactly right. You know what? Hey, go <laughs> horn frogs. I, I like the hypnotoad. I, I love it. So uh, bring it on. All right. All right. Hey, at least you embrace it and you're honest about it. That's okay. We are all about honesty and embracing it here. But, hey, man, uh, it's always good to hear from you. We appreciate you joining us every single Monday, man. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing for the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Like I said, 730 on the air tomorrow night. Andy Burch and Bradlaw in Oxford, and I'll be managing the studio uh, at 730 Central. And, uh, and Tiger Talk on Thursday and back in Neville Arena on Saturday on the air at 7 o'clock then. So. Sounds good, man. We appreciate you, brother. Have a good night, and have a good week. We'll talk to you next week, all right?
You guys as well. War Eagle. Yep, that is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We join, or he joins us every Monday here on the show talking all things Auburn athletics. We cover basketball, football, and gymnastics as well. He's got the Horn Frogs. I think that's more of a want rather than a pick, but. Yeah, no, that's. <laughs> I just like. Look, Every people are picking TCU. That's fine. There's no, a lot there's of no problem are with picking that. TCU. A lot of the people who throw around the most dough are picking Georgia. Well, a lot of them. Well, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk about that and give our final picks when we come back here. We'll wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Hey, if you missed any of today's show, it's been a fun one. I will tell you what, it's been a lot of fun. We've been talking Auburn basketball, Auburn football recruiting, talking national championship game. We're going to make our final picks here in just a moment. We just got off the phone with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network talking all of things in Auburn athletics. So if you missed any of the show today, we've had some great callers as well. So if you missed any of it, uh, be sure to go and listen to the podcast you can find it espnau.com click on the podcast center and you'll find it commercial free right there or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast but as we've been talking georgia 13 to 13 and a half point favorites expect that line to move some, before some game places time. it's already gotten to 14 i'm seeing which means money it is was, shifting it was brother. 12 and a half this morning and i think on uh bet mgm there is a 550,000 play on the spread on Georgia, wow. minus 12 and a half. And a lot of really big money has come in on Georgia. That's as how that it goes. line continues to crawl up. That's how it goes, man. You'll get, well, you said 70% of the bets are on TCU, but that does not mean 70% of the money is on TCU. It appears so. as of right, as of this morning, it was 71% of the spread uh, tickets on Bet MGM were on TCU, and 58% of the money was on TCU. And then as of right now, as of an hour ago, it is 64% of the money on Georgia. And I guarantee and that number... 68% of the bets on TCU. Wow. That number will climb. I promise you. People, the big dogs, they don't bet early. They wait. They wait to see if people are going to jump on a team like TCU, who has the destiny, who has... It's the fun bet, right? I mean, they're like plus 390 in the money line, man. That's fun. That's the fun stuff to do. But the they smart everybody bettors... everybody make their square bets. Yep, yep. Smart bettors know what they're doing, man. The big money, they don't throw it around for fun, man. They know what they're doing, and there's a reason that there's some nice sports book and nice buildings out in Las Vegas. But look, Georgia's big favorites tonight, and they're favored again anywhere from 12 to 14. I think that number will grow. Carter, who's your pick, man? I think I know, but who's your pick? I think Georgia smothers TCU. I smothers. Think, I think I think the, the athletes are that different in this game, and I think that it's going to be – it's. I mean, TCU may hang within two or three scores, but I don't think it, it may just be a game that Georgia just dominates, and at no point do you feel like that that they are. It's getting out of hand. Any score prediction? I'll go. I'll go thirty-five twenty-one. Okay. 35 all right 35 21 you have Georgia beating TCU look man TCU is going to score but I think Georgia's going to score too TCU's offense is better than Georgia's but Georgia's defense is better than TCU's and so with that being said 
I just think Georgia's too good talent-wise. I think they're better coached. I think TCU will score, but not as highly as they do. They average 40 points a game. So does Georgia. My prediction, 45-24, Georgia. So something I want to I wanna put out into the, the universe here when I was talking about talent differential, blue-chip ratio. Ohio State coming into this year actually had 78% blue-chippers. Georgia had 77 hmm. So talent-wise, they were similar. I know, I know Ohio State was down a couple of really key players. TCU's not even above 50%, and we've never had a national champion that is below 50%. And here's a note, too. The last four national championship games have been blowouts. They've been double-digit wins. Yeah. Like, by, like, three scores. They've been blowouts the last four years. So TCU's attempting to do something we have not seen. Yeah. We have not seen. Since since the blue-chip ratio has existed, we've never seen a team below 50% blue-chip players win a national championship. The closest was Oregon went to a national championship and lost to FSU, I think, or to somebody. And then Auburn, in 2010, won a national championship – they were the closest to being below it of a national championship winner. Hmm. So basically, they're trying to win a national championship with extremely less talent. It's yes. what they're trying. I mean, that's just what they're trying yeah. to do. And not saying they can't. I hope for a good game tonight. I really, really do. We're gonna. Be, I mean, we're gonna be watching it. Uh, hopefully, you all get together, go and watch the game, enjoy it, be smart, be safe, don't do stupid things. But I'm hoping for a good game tonight. I would love to see TCU keep this thing close. I think we would like to see TCU win, but. I just want a good game tonight, and I don't know if we're going to get it or not, but I have Georgia winning 45-24. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll break it all down. We'd love to hear your thoughts tomorrow on who wins, and uh, we'll get your thoughts on if it's Georgia or TCU. Happy National Championship Monday. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, 2-4, to here on ESPN 106.7. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.